0: Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It is so good to see you here. I am just, I'm really enjoying these past two Sundays where we have both of our worship services together. And it's so good for us as, as a church family to come together here on this New Year's Day. And I'm going to tell you, I was talking to some of you as, uh, as uh, you came in, and I can tell we are excited for a new year. Some of you, you are excited. And and I was thinking about that. People, it seems more exciting this year than in previous years that I remember. Because I think this year, more even perhaps than in years past, we live with the hope and the anticipation that 2017 will be a better year. That 2016 was, for many in this room, a, a difficult year. I look around and even in the six months I've been here, I, I know many of you have been through very difficult times. Times you weren't expecting and times you didn't know you were going to have to go through. And 2017 a new hope. You know, 2017, we come to these new year and, and it's the year that things are going to go Right? It's the year that, um, you know, I'm finally going to get that promotion or that new job. It's the year that we're finally going to be able to get out of debt. Uh, The year that our football team is going to, the college football team is going to do better next year. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Yeah. They're going to do better in the bowl game next year. Amen? There we go. I'm Just thought on my mind right now. Uh, (laughs) And maybe more seriously, this is gonna be the year that we beat cancer. This is gonna be the year we're finally able to have a baby. The new year comes with it, all the promises of a new future. I think about that, and I thought about this week That the first major holy day in the new year in January is the day that the church calls Epiphany. Maybe you've heard that word before. It's a word that that, that basically means the shining forth, the realization. It, It was an important day in the early church. In fact, we believe that the church actually celebrated Epiphany as a major holiday earlier than they celebrated Christmas. Some Christians still Epiphany is the highlight of their winter year because it's the moment that we see Christ unveiled for everyone. It's this story that Mike just read. This story of the wise men, the the magi who come from the east. And frankly, I'm not sure what to make of it. I'm not sure many of us really know what to make of it. It kind of adds a little bit of exotic color and dash to our Christmas pageant. The fancy outfits and the turbans and the headdresses it adds just a little bit of something extra. But I was thinking about this week that when you read Matthew's gospel, this is pretty much all we see of the birth of Jesus. We're so accustomed to reading the Christmas story in the lens of Luke and Matthew. So we have shepherds and magi, but in Matthew there are no shepherds. There's no manger, there are no animals, just this story of these magi who come from the east. We don't know where they come from. They could have come from Persia or Arabia or Babylon. And We're not even 100% sure what they did, although we have a good idea that they searched the stars of the sky. It's what they did. It was their role. It was their position to look and to see any movement in the heavens that they believed would be a sign of something happening, something that the divine is doing in the world. And the author of Matthew tells us that their searching led them to a light They had never seen before. And we think about light. Isn't light kind of the the hope of our new year? The hope that after darkness comes light. You know, you and I actually need light to survive. I don't know if you're aware of that. That if we were to live in total darkness we'd be in trouble. I have a friend uh, from college who, after graduation, she moved to Fairbanks, Alaska. And I remember asking her, after she had moved up there, was up there about a year, I kind of was, I was maybe giving her a hard time. Some of you know me well. I'm sure can't believe that, that I would do that. Um. But, but uh, it was giving her a hard time, and I said, well, so how did you enjoy the cold this winter? <laughs> if everybody, so said, she told me something I, I, I still cannot shake. She said, you know, the cold is okay. I thought, really? She said, no, the, the real problem living here in the winter is not the cold. It's the fact that we get a lot less sunlight than you get. Than, than you get back down in the continental United States. That for months on end, there's only just a few hours of daylight. In fact, uh, today, I I checked this morning, the sun in Fairbanks, Alaska will come up at 10.53 a.m. And it will go down at 2.56 p.m., That's not a long day. That's a lot of darkness, isn't it? A lot of darkness. Al- almost 20 hours of darkness tonight. And scientists say that, that in Alaska during the winter, it, it, people struggle so much with it that there is a rise of depression and anxiety during the winter because there is not enough light. Maybe some of you can identify that somehow for reasons you can't understand or explain that during the winter you just seem a little more down. Scientists say that in its extreme form that's called seasonal affective disorder. But I think spiritually we can see that we as a people were made to crave light. And light is what we celebrate this day. The light comes in the darkness. And the darkness in the shadows of our hearts and our lives. And I was thinking about that particular light that led the Magi to Jesus. Uh, we, I, I was looking at our screen. I was looking at our screen and we tend to think of the light kind of like on our screen. We tend to think of it like in the picture on the front of our bulletin. That it's this really big star. Like you cannot miss the star. And, and I read a lot this week, and, and some say, well, you know, it was a comet, or it was a planet, two planets kind of lined up, or, or like the great astronomer Kepler, it was a supernova, a, a new star created, that it was something big and bright in the sky. Because we tend to think of, you know, the light as really bright and big, But I'm going to suggest something a little contrary this morning. That maybe just maybe the light that the Magi saw was small. Have you ever wondered why in Matthew, it doesn't say, well, Mary, you know, when the Magi came, Mary said, yeah, you're the ninth person today who's come with this bright darn star that's hovering over the house. You ever wonder why it never says that? That, you know, the Magi get to... Israel, get to J- Jerusalem, the capital. They're expecting to meet the new king of the Jews, and um, they're all surprised. They're like, you know, Herod's kind of Herod. Even people, you know, even the secular historians say Herod had become completely paranoid by the end of his reign. And when he heard it, it said that it, he was shaken to the core. His very foundation of his being was was rocked. He hadn't seen the light. And so, you know, they call all the leaders, the, the high priests, the scribes, the people who study the Bible all the time, the religious professionals, and he calls them all together, and he says, why didn't you tell me about this? And they're like, "We well, had no idea. Uh, you know, we dug up this um, scroll written by this prophet. His name is Micah. And he says, you know, when, when, when the Messiah comes... He's going to come to this place. It's, it's Bethlehem. It's like five miles from here. A little tiny place. And Micah said that somehow that God had a plan out of this little tiny place. And you know, for hundreds of years, the people of Israel had been hoping and praying for a Messiah. And when the light comes... There's no record that anyone saw it. Except these three pagan astrologers from the East. Because they were looking and they were paying attention. And so they come these three magi, they come to Herod and they ask him where the king is to be born and they come and it says that Herod is totally shaken. Because you see, Herod had things pretty much under control. You know He was the king of the Jews by title, although he wasn't really a king or really a Jew, which you can imagine made him a little nervous, having the title and all. He came from another ethnicity that was adjacent to Israel. And he wasn't really a king. He was more kind of someone that the Romans left to mind the store, and they let him have the title. But he was really just the proxy for them and for their armies, and the real power was in Rome. But you see, when the light came, when the Messiah's promise was fulfilled, it didn't give him hope, it made him fear. I almost called this sermon having the fear of Herod in 2017 or the faith of Herod. And I thought about that this morning. When the light comes, you know, if you shine really bright light, have you ever looked, real, you know, like when you were a kid, how many of your parents said, don't look directly at the sun? Do your parents tell you? Tell you that? Don't, like, don't, or like don't look directly at that bright spotlight up there. Because if we look directly in the light, it's actually painful. It's actually painful for us. And so sometimes when light comes, we prefer to avert our gaze to look at something darker. And I wonder if Herod was like that that the light just threatened him. And I wonder if Jesus, how we receive the light. Does Jesus coming into our life, does it threaten us or does it give us hope? Does it mean that something might have to change if we were really to follow Jesus in 2017? Does it mean that God might want to do something in us and with us that might be painful does it mean that this year might be a year that we have to substitute and put away our agenda in favor of God's agenda? Because you see, when the Magi came to the baby Jesus, I can't imagine what that was like. I, I, I kind of think, you know, they're expecting a king, right? And so they come, and they come down the narrow streets of this little town of Bethlehem, and they come to this house of a peasant I can't imagine what they were like. It's kind of like, um, have you ever been to someone's house and it turns out they do not live in the kind of neighborhood you thought they'd live in? You ever done that? And you're like looking at your GPS and you're like, well, they say this is where it is, but this isn't what I'm expecting. Now, they had a star and not not a smartphone. But then they came and it said they came and even though they had come all this distance, They came, and it says, well, the New Revised Standard doesn't quite quite capture it. What they did is they literally fell down and worshipped him. They literally fell down, not on their knees, but on their faces. And it says they were filled with exceedingly great joy. You see, for the Magi, finding the baby Jesus was the answer to their hopes and their prayers. But to Herod, he was a threat to their privilege, their power, and their sense of identity. You see, today, we are invited. Today, we are invited to hope. We're invited to To hope. We're invited to join like the Magi all around the world. All people can come to this little baby, Jesus. But they cannot come. If they hope to maintain their power and their prerogatives and their importance and their selves. But today, our Lord invites us to offer that all up to Him. To let the light shine in us. In a moment. we're going to share in something called the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. Some of you may have heard of that prayer before. Maybe you've prayed that prayer before. It's something that goes back to the very beginning of our United Methodist tradition. That on, on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, the people called Methodists gathered together. They gathered together And they said, in this new year, they didn't say, here's the seven things, Lord, I want from you in in the next year. What they came together and they said was, we are committing ourselves to you in this coming year. And I invite you to turn over to 607 in your hymnal. We'll put the first part of it at least on the screen right now. Just look at those first words. They're a little challenging, aren't they? And if you read on, it says, you know, let me have all things. Let me be full. Let me be empty. And I'm going to tell you, for a long time, this scared me because I don't know about you, I'd like to be, um, you know, full. I'd like to be Satisfied. I'd like to be overjoyed. I'd like to have all things that I want. I'd, I'd like to just, you know, get everything I want, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're not like me, but I suspect many of you are. You want this next year to be the most amazing, like, overflowing year ever. And I hope it is. But this prayer reminds us that when we follow Jesus, we don't just follow Jesus for something. Good, we follow Jesus in all seasons of our life. And as I looked at that prayer, I was reminded that the center of the prayer is not what happens to us. The center of the prayer is that Jesus is with us. And you know in 2016, 2016, Some of you in this room, you've practically, literally been to hell and back. And the only thing that's kept you going is that when you went to hell and back, Jesus was right there with you. And this prayer says that our hope for 2017 is not just the shallow hope that things will be better this year, because for some of us they might not be. But the hope that we can have in the light of the world is that no matter what happens, we can put God right at the center. No matter what happens, the light of the world that has come into the world can be the light that comes into your heart. It can be the light that's at the very center of who you are. And friends, that light, there's no darkness that can put it out. Amen. And so today, I invite you to commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. I invite you to give yourself to him that you may belong to him. And our Lord has many services to be done Some are more easy and honorable. And others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some we may please Christ and please ourselves. But then there are other works which we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. And so consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. You see, Christ will be Savior of none but his servants. He is the source of salvation to all those who obey. Christ will have no servants except by consent. Christ will not accept anything except full consent to all that he requires. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. And so confirm this by a holy covenant. And to make this covenant a reality in your life, listen to these admonitions. First, spend some time more than once. Set apart some time to be spent alone before the Lord in seeking God's earnest, earnestly seeking God's special assistance and gracious acceptance of you. Carefully think through all the conditions of this covenant in searching your hearts whether or not you have freely given your life to Christ. Consider what your sins are. And consider the laws of Christ, how holy, strict, and spiritual they are. And whether you, after having carefully considered them, are willing to choose them all. To put Christ at the center of your life. Be sure you are clear in these matters. And see that you do not lie to God. Second, be serious and in a spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, claim God's covenant Rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength so that you can keep your promise. Trust not your own strength and power. Fourth, resolve to be faithful. You have given to the Lord your hearts. You have opened your mouths to the Lord. And you have dedicated yourself to God. And with God's power, no matter what happens, never go back. And so be prepared to renew your covenant with the Lord. Bow your hearts. Open them to the Lord. And today I invite us all to stand. As you're able. And as we're standing. If you want to begin 2017. By recommitting yourself to the Lord. If you want this prayer. This prayer that Christ would be at the center of everything this year. To be your prayer for this new year. I invite you to join me as we make this covenant before the Lord. Let's pray. I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me have be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. You may be seated.